You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Programme on 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. This is Penny. Dave's joining me in the studio. Dave Kindness, former president of the forever period for Melville City, Murdoch United. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, Melville, oh, I can't yeah. believe Ian's going to hate me for saying yeah. that. <laughs> Good morning, Penny. Good morning, <laughs> listeners. It's a wet and windy day, but, hey, great day for football. It is. It's uh, yeah. We, we were watching the Manchester United training session during the week, which was uh, fantastic. Thanks to Inclusion Solutions for offering the tickets out to our, our listeners with that, and it was just such a great learning experience. And it was pouring at times. Then the sun was out and pouring again. I don't know what the Manchester United <coughs> uh, entourage were thinking about that. Maybe they were thinking they were still in England. Yeah, but uh, they're in Australia doing their thing. And, uh, yeah, lots of fans and uh, aspiring coaches, et cetera, were out there to yeah, absorb whatever they had to put on display. And from my point of view and coaching point of view, it was great. Great to see that a lot of the stuff that we do in our training session was similar to what they do. But the skills and intensity was a lot different. And wow. they had uh, set up people to just have everything ready and, yeah, a lot, uh, a very slick machine. Absolutely. And uh, that's the way it should be. Yes, so today we give our thanks to Futsal WA, Gate and Fence Hardware, WA, Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron for their partnership and sponsorship over the years. We really do appreciate that. We have lots of listeners who are members, cost less than 50 bucks to become a member, helps us stay on air as a community station. We do really appreciate that. Um, guess this week we've got Lee Stroud who is the president or chair of the Perth Manchester United Supporters Club, Mick Owens, who's with Inclusion Solutions, David Templeman, who's a WA Sports Minister, amongst other things in his portfolio. Yep. And um, yes, you might recognise that name, Miranda, David yeah, Templeman. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if they're related or know each other or whatever. Uh, and Simon Hill will be joining us from um, Paramount Plus Network 10. Yep. He's been commentating some of the games. It must be uh, absolutely in his... Um, you know, elements with 
He's a Manchester City supporter, but uh, all these EPL teams that are here and international footballs are bounding all over the place. Yeah. It's yeah. great. No, it's brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and lots of free-to-air football as yep. well. Really mm. loving that part. Mm. Games from Singapore, et cetera, being beamed over here, live-streamed and on Network 10. It's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Really good. I hope we're going to benefit from it in the community in whatever way that brings you new know, football. And Simon Hill always says, how do we convert it to bums on seats? That's what it's about. Yeah. Absolutely. Giving back or taking out, whatever it means, I'm not sure. But it's a big week of football again. Um, football Cup competitions happening on Sunday. So wherever you are, there's lots happening. Go to footballwest.com.au and have a look at the uh, links for the games there and their Facebook page. And also on our World Football Facebook page, we've got uh, quite a bit of information there. Do become a member of the Facebook page and then you can... Lob all your club information on there if you like and if you're an Aston Villa supporter or you're a Man City supporter or whatever it is, just put stuff on there and um, share your information. It's all about um, world game and you know, just sharing what you love. I'm about Murdoch University, Melbourne Football Club, so <laughs> you'll probably you know, see me at our games with a red and black shirt on, which is pretty cool because it's meant to United colours. So if I you know, went incognito, I wonder if anyone would recognise the difference, red and black, because it's the same. Well, it's very close. And yeah. you? <clears throat> yep. Um, so we're going to go to break and come back and talk more football uh, in a moment. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Stay tuned. More football banter on the way. 107.9 FM, your local station. Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, Veron. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website, where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008, respectively. You're listening in to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Dave here until 12 o'clock. A big weekend of football coming up locally with cup games and also the football festival. I think it's the last game tonight of that entire festival period, Dave. Yeah, yes, it is. Well, there's still a festival on Sunday with all the cup finals. Yep. Um, you know, under-18s, reserves, women's, first-team football. So, uh, And no games this weekend, no league games. Well, there are games, just not at the top end. So, not I mean, the end, there's yeah. um, amateur games, metro games still happening. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And obviously all the juniors. Uh, uh, yes, some are. Um, they usually have a bit of a holiday in the school holidays, I think. Yeah. Um, sorry, it's the week after the school holidays, but uh, my team's got to buy it. It's been a crazy year for football in terms of refixturing and postponements. Oh, unbelievable. I have yeah. to keep checking every 24 to 48 hours to see if there's been any changes in the fixtures before yeah. you turn up anywhere. Yeah. You have to, yeah. You've got to be on top of it or else you'll yep. be turning up and no no opposition. Absolutely. And Good morning to you, Lee. We're talking football. <coughs> Good morning, guys. 
Cheers for having us on. Yeah, no problems. Um, Dave is the former president of the um, Mum FC club, so we're both sitting here with red and black and, yeah, similar stuff on Well, it. no, in actual fact, I've got a Man United shirt on today. It's got red and black on well, it. Well, I hope yeah, so. Man United are playing in town. You've got to wear a kit today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, closet. The people are coming out of the closet, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those. Yep, why not? So what do you think about the um, football of the Festival of Football, Lee? Has it uh, lived up to all the billing? Oh, it's just great for the city. You know, it's attracted a lot of tourism. Um, you know, it's making young kids more aware about Premier League football, um, make, get them interested in it. So, yeah, it's great for the city and, yes, yeah, it's, it's great for all the fans as well. How has the... Manchester United Supporters Club played a role in what's happened over the last uh, week or two. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had our own events. Uh, we had a fundraiser for Danny Hodgson on Thursday night. Um, we've been trying to raise some money for him and his family uh, for the you know the hard time they're going through with the you know the atrocities of what happened to him last year. Yep. So uh, yeah, we managed to raise just over ten thousand dollars at our charity night the other night. Fantastic. So good. We had. Yeah, we had a lot of memorabilia on, on for auction and um, we had a band, Little Pedro play. Uh, we had a DJ later on in the evening and uh, we had a former Manchester United legend and England captain uh, Brian Robson do a Q&A and a meet and greet. Oh, wonderful. Very nice. Very, very nice. Yeah, there's been a couple of the clubs that have had coaching sessions and meet and greets and interviews with um, various members of their uh, professional entourages, which I think is fantastic. It's um, getting some engagement with the community, and we do like to hear that those things happen because it's not just about um, you know that club coming to town. They're filling out the stadium, you're buying a ticket, and then people don't give back into the community in some way. They don't connect. So you know, what is it that we really want to get out of the festival of football, Lee? What do you think that it is that the community should benefit from? Um, well, like I said before, it's it's about you know, young kids making being aware of, uh, you know, football and getting out and actually playing and, um, yeah, bringing the community together with, uh, with you know, the four big clubs that have come over. Um, you know, I just think it's just great for the city um, and great for uh, tourism and everything like that, you know? Yeah, I kind of hope that it might translate in some way to, ah, there's some pretty good football grounds here, there's someone I didn't know supported such and such and um, there's these venues where we can watch it, there's a bit of free-to-air football. Maybe I might start supporting that club. I might look at supporting the A-League. I might have a look at the local organisation, um, Football West, and see what other fixtures are around that my mate who I've just met at the game might come along. Do those kind of connections that get people out into the community playing football, watching football. That's what we really want, the long-lasting effects. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, 100%. And we're lucky enough to have some, you know, some great football and venues here in Perth as well. Um, you know, from the last time United came in 2019, uh, I only heard great feedback from the club. Um, the facilities at Optus, you know, were the, was, you know, world class. Um, where they trained at the Wacker, they, they thought that, you know, it was really, really high quality place and uh, perfect conditions for their, you know, their pre-season. Absolutely, and just for the listeners, the Winter Festival of Football, I think is the correct term for what's been happening, is um, Liverpool played Man United in Singapore on the 12th. I think that was the first of the... That was in, it was in Bangkok. Bangkok, sorry. Okay, I'm not sure where we got Singapore from there. And then Leeds played uh, Brisbane, 
And Manchester United yep. played Melbourne Victory at the MCG. Aston Villa and Leeds played in Brisbane. Then Man U played Crystal Palace at the MCG. Then we had Aston Villa and Brisbane Raw. And then Crystal Palace and Leeds. And that was the last game before tonight's game. So uh, Manchester United yeah. and Aston Villa yeah. are playing tonight. That, so was, that was last night. Yeah. <clears throat> what was Here. the result? Well, Australia, Australia's just really, really lucky to have, you know, this festival of football, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's it's great for the whole of Australia, really, to have that many games. Yeah. The, the I, think, I think it's the first time, really, that since there's been four four clubs doing something like this in, in Australia. Yeah. And the, the result last night was a 1-1 draw. 1-1, one, one, OK. Yeah. Excellent. Both goals in the second half. I think there was a bit of a problem getting people in through the turnstiles. Yeah, I did hear something like that. Something yeah. with the uh, electronic ticketing yeah. uh, was down or something. But did you guys know the uh, the crowd last night? What what uh, capacity they got to? I uh, have no idea, Dave. I did hear something about twenty thousand, but I, I okay. heard, heard somewhere else that it was slightly bigger than that. That it was all okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the menu game for tonight sold out. I don't know how long it took to sell out, but it was pretty darn quick. And there's been people trying to get tickets. And, of course, COVID's been a bummer too. Like we've got, um, from my club, we've got our 16s team, both the 16s girls teams coming in, all their parents. It must be like between 50 and 70 people just in that group. And then as people have got COVID... Um, in the last week or so, they've been swapping tickets out and everything is, and still 100% all gone. So the appetite is definitely there, Lee. Oh, for sure. It should be close to capacity tonight, I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, it. On our Facebook page, there's still been a few people asking for tickets and trying to get tickets. So, yeah, I, I dare say we're going to be right up there with the full capacity tonight. Yeah, and that's part of the atmosphere about going. It doesn't have to be that you're a crazy Manchester United fan or a football fan. Just going and absorbing the atmosphere yeah. is what it's about yeah. too. The thing is exactly, to, yeah. The thing is also to to, to to go along early and make sure that you, that you can get in. Because I think what had happened last night was that uh, people were dilly-dallying outside, waiting for mates and whatever, and uh, then when they started to try and go through the tunnel, they were jam-packed, you know? Does that but, mean they didn't yeah. get there in time for kick-off? Is that... so, some of them missed the kick-off, wow. yeah. Whew. Okay. But that is an Aussie thing. You see it in Aussie rules. They arrive at, like after the first quarter, you know, sort of thing. At, uh, why, yeah. why, why, yeah. Have, why have a season ticket and not go to the whole game? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. No, no. Well, I'm sure there'll be uh, pre-game entertainment as well tonight. So yeah. yeah, people try and get there a little bit earlier and uh, enjoy the you know the entertainment before the game. Yeah, yeah. The we've, gates are open uh, for... Yeah. So we've got a um, uh, an event today just at the the old Eve Club at Crown Crown, uh, Crown Casino there. Yeah. Uh, we've just got a pre-game party. Uh, we've got local musician Mark Stone playing on stage. Just uh, you know, mainly Britpop music. Uh, Oasis and that sort of stuff, um, starting about 12 o'clock. So $5 entry for adults, kids are free. Uh, yeah, all Manchester United fans are welcome. And then we'll do a march to the stadium about 5 o'clock. <laughs> With what sort of condition are going to be in by that time? <laughs> oh, well, we'll be all right. If, if, if you take, if, if, yeah, that's it. If you take yourself, you know, steady yourself and uh, pace yourself, yeah, yeah, no one will be going too stupid. Yeah. But there'll be a lot of sing-songs and uh, great atmosphere in there. Yeah. Uh, we had the same kind of thing last uh, last time United were here in 2019, yeah. a similar event. So, and uh, yeah, there's lots of videos on, that on our Facebook page, and yeah, very family friendly event, and yeah, just a great way to, you know, walk, you know, wet the whistle before uh, we we head down to Oxford. 
absolutely. I remember coming in uh, w- by train uh, the last time they were here, and the Leeds supporters were there, and the Man U supporters were there, and you know the security guys were just petrified because they thought they were going to start fighting and carrying on. Yeah, and was, it wasn't too bad actually. We nah, were pretty lucky last time. No, nah, there was very little trouble at all. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about the squad. I I like the the. The, the whole presence of Manchester United, the global branding, and I'm not necessarily a Manchester United fan, but um, I like what Alex Ferguson did before, and I've gone a little bit away from Manchester United, but going to the training session and seeing Manchester United play and how they've operated through this festival of football, I've kind of been a bit more akin to them and how they've operated. Lee, tell us a little bit about the Manchester United machine and, and why that should be attractive to new people into football. Well... Now we've got the new manager in, uh, Eric Ten Hag, he's a uh, former Ajax manager. Uh, the brand of football is very, uh, very uh, you know, high intensity, high press. Um, need to be really, really fit to play his brand of football. And, you know, in the few weeks that they've been training, um, I think his way of football is starting to, you know, uh, the players are starting to understand it. And they're starting to sort of play his way of football. And I think, you know, United's always been renowned for being a really attacking team anyway. So I think with his brand of football and United's DNA of an attacking footballing side, I, I think we could really, you know, at least try and push that top four spot this year and, and give some of the other teams in the top, you know, a really good run for their money. How do you think the results have panned out through the Winter Festival of Football for Man U? Has it been indicative of how they'll be performing in the upcoming season? Well, it's going to take time for his, you know, for his brand of football to really, you know, uh, the players to embed on that brand of football. It, it will take time, but you can see promising signs already that they are still sort of understanding. And in the in the three games they've had, you know, we've uh, we're you know, really attacking football at the moment. And yeah, let's just see where it takes us. So hopefully we you know, get back to winning ways and you know, uh, challenging for titles and trophies and that uh, in, the, in the near future. Who are some of the players that we should be watching out for? Well, you know, like I say, attacking brand of football, so, you, you know, everybody likes to see these attacking players, the likes of uh, Jaden Sancho, uh, Marcus Rashford, and, and Anthony Martial is really, really, you know, it seems like he's uh, stepped up his form and, and he's understanding and enjoying the new manager's way of play. So, and obviously, you've got Bruno Fernandes, and, uh, and we got you know some some high quality defenders in Rafael de Varane and uh, England England international Harry Maguire. So yeah, it, things are looking looking up and promising. And we've got a, a couple of new players that will be coming in as well that haven't travelled. So you know you just got to uh, you just got to hope that they understand the manager what the what, the, what they want him you know the yeah. brand of football they want him to play. And um, yeah, fingers crossed we can really get back into winning ways. What's the deal with Harry Maguire? Um, he's the captain, correct? He's captain of Manchester United, yes. Yeah, OK. So wh- why is there a little bit of banter about him um, not not doing something or other? What's happening there? He, he just didn't have the best of seasons last year and there seemed to be some disgruntled fans, which I don't agree with. Um, you know, apparently he got a few boos at the MCG, which I think, you know, is is pretty disgusting for Manchester United supporters. I think, you know, no matter how well or how bad your team are doing and, and whether a player is informed or not informed, I don't think any player deserves to be booed by their own fans. I think you need to get behind the team, behind the players, even when they're losing. And, 
yeah, that you know, getting behind your team, it, it gives them the confidence to to try and go out there and perform well. Yeah, it's uh, it's a sad state of affairs when this uh, happens. You know, even in, in the 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 European Championships, I thought he was excellent. Um, better, yeah, better but England, he's, been... he's played great for England. You know, yeah. so he just needs to translate that form to Manchester United, yeah. and everybody getting behind him. I'm sure he will. So tonight, whenever he touches the ball, I want every Manchester United fan to clap and cheer him yeah. and uh, give, give him that confidence that, and, and play the way that we know he can. Yeah, absolutely. That would be brilliant. I've really liked the style of football. From the training session that I attended, I was blown away with the skills and intensity of the players. And that might be just professional football. I've never personally been to a professional football training session before, having the entourage around set everything up, the debriefing. The, they had like almost 30 players doing uh, 4v4v3 kind of arrangement. Um, and, you know, I try and do that at my team and it, the intensity is nowhere near it. And if I have 15 players and it's, it's down busy and they had 30 players and the skill level and intensity and communication was absolutely incredible. So I'm blown away by the professionalism. And I must admit, if I'd gone to an Aston Villa or a Leeds session, I'd probably be blown away by that as well. So it just happened to be the Manchester United one. So I'm akin to that now. So I might be accumulating a few more Manchester United shirts along the way now, Lee. <laughs> yeah, it does make, it does make you know, uh, open your eyes to how, uh, how great some of these players really are and uh, how far ahead the Premier League is. Uh, compared to other leagues around the world, um, you know, you just look at the A League. You know, it's it's really up and coming now. There's, there's a lot of good players, but it just shows that the Premier League is just you know miles and miles ahead um, with the way they train, the way everything's set up, the, the you know the infrastructure of the, of the clubs. Um, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was really good to see uh, how they how they do actually train and to to train like that in front of all those fans as well is another thing rather than just behind closed doors. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think we had the right blend of clubs coming to Australia or even Perth at this time? Oh, for sure. You know, and it's only going to make other clubs around the world, you know, other big clubs want to come and do the same thing in in the, in the next year or the year after for pre-season. Um, I think it's put the whole of Australia in good stead for for these uh, pre-season, uh, you know, mini tournaments wherever they are. You know. Um, yeah, it's, other teams just look how well it's gone, how well it's run, the amount of fans that are out and supporting it. Other other clubs will want to come here and, and experience that too, I think. Yeah, well, a sellout always helps with the pockets, and I certainly hope the WA community is going to benefit from that. I mean, it is a state-owned uh, facility, the Optus Stadium, and filling it out, I, I hope, is going to fill some of the coffers and filter down into well, grassroots football or sport here. Yeah, well, yeah, you can, you can only hope that. Yeah, yeah, mm. but I think with these clubs coming across, no matter which which it is, um, the, the, you get an uplift of players wanting to start playing the game. Yeah, like post World Cup. Yeah, yeah young yeah. players wanting to play. Yeah, and mm. uh, that's always good. It's just a pity it's in the middle of the season and there's no nobody really. Encouraging new players because normally they're all fooled, you know. But uh, yeah, it's. Well, uh, I wonder if it affects like futsal or the alternate forms of football, walking football, etc., where you can just uh, walk in and register and, and play along the way. So um, I know futsal's had a really big uptake um, in the last three to five years. Um, people choosing to play five-a-side football rather than the eleven-a-side traditional 
football and there's even like some pretty professional competitions around Perth I know there and then tours that haven't always happened in the last three years but are starting to happen again where they're you know, leaving and going internationally. I, I wonder if there's a little bit of a um, brand awareness for that kind of thing too. Lee, do you know if Manchester United have any fingers in like indoor or five-a-side football or anything else besides the 11-a-side? I'm not too sure about whether they do it back in the UK. I know they've got a lot of training facilities for young kids and programs to try and get younger kids into football back in Manchester. But um, I think it would be great for Premier League teams to try and implement something like that over here. Um, it would definitely you know, bring a lot of younger kids wanting to play the game. If they, uh, if they, you know, bought some sort of training program or system and, and joined forces with the likes of Perth Glory and that, I think it would make a lot of younger kids really want to play the game. Mm. Mm. So I wonder why, um, what's your thoughts on Perth Glory not being a part of this um, festival of football? Yeah, I was quite surprised actually that they're, they're, they haven't got a friendly game against, uh, you know, one of the, the, the travelling teams. Uh, last time, you know, they played Manchester United and it was a huge success. So I'm not sure the reasoning behind Glory not playing the likes of Leeds or <clears throat> Crystal Palace or Villa. So I'm not, you know, I was a bit surprised, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. I don't know the answer to that, but uh, yeah, it, would no, been, I don't, no. it certainly would have been great for local football to have Perth Glory out there promoting their brand in whatever way. Yeah, exactly. for sure. Especially in Perth. Mm. Yeah. All right, Lee, it's been fantastic having a chat to you and uh, I hope that the Festival of Football was everything that you hoped it to be and that the game will be uh, pretty exciting for us all tonight and uh, the weather stays away just for that, like, yeah, three no. hours or so. Yeah, no, thanks for that and thanks for having us on and, yeah, um, fingers crossed we get a packed house tonight and, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll take it from there and thank you very much for having us on. Good on you. Thanks for joining us, Lee. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Lee. Bye. 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 That was Lee Stroud, the Perth Manchester United Supporters Club president, um, just uh, bring us an update on some of the activities that are happening there. And they do have a Facebook page, so you can lob onto that, Perth Manchester United Supporters Club, find out what's happening around the traps today or in the next few hours, really, because gates open at 4 o'clock and there's already events, um, Starting gatherings midday. and yep. things. Yeah. <laughs> Gee whiz, uh, I'm not sure we're wanting to do too much marching out in that weather today, though, Dave. That's very true. Mm. Um, we're going to go to a break and come back and chat some more football. Um, or do we want to have a chat about any of the local things that um, are on today? You got anything you want to put onto the table? Oh, uh, well, I was at the um, the Australia Cup game uh, with uh, Armadale and Morton. Did Mo- they, they put out a hand? Uh, Wow, hen's teeth, a little match programme. Yeah, a little match programme here. Uh, Don't see many of them these days. No, it's very true. It's actually, it's a, I think it's a requirement for being in the NPL. Great. But uh, we used to do them in, in State League as well. And digital ones away. these days, though. Yeah, a yep. lot of them are digital. You've got a hand-printed one, or not a hand-printed one, an actual printed one. Yeah. So I was standing beside uh, Sean, your... Oh, Sean Kelly. Yeah, he, yeah. he we were standing together and okay, having a yarn, chat, chatting away and watching the game and thinking, oh, Armadale doing quite well, one nil up, first ten minutes, and then it sort of all wheels came off and uh, just playing long balls and you know bypassing a, a pretty good midfield and very seldom played it from the back and I'm, I think John 
O'Reilly might be a bit disappointed with the final result, which I think was 5-2. I actually left before the end. Was it a matter of fitness? Were they getting pushed? <clears throat> and just, mm, was a skill difference? Skill difference slightly. The, 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 the opposing team were a little bit sharper. but uh, And they weren't a big, strong team, apart from the, the central defenders were fairly robust lads, but uh, they were just a little bit better. Okay. On the day. Good experience, perhaps, for Ambrau? Yeah, well, you know... The Learning, so a benchmark that they have to work towards? Yeah, but uh, Sean said that he'd been at the the, uh, the game beforehand. Uh, oh, me. Another Australia Cup game? Uh, previous uh, yeah, round? Australia Cup game here in WA, and he said they played far, far, far better. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with two Perth teams. Two Perth teams in yeah. the. Uh, okay, you're not following the yesterday. Bayswater. There you go. Basie, they, they played Basie in the, the round beforehand and played extremely well. Held the ball, moved the ball around, short passing midfield. They certainly didn't do that on Thursday night. Gotcha. So that mm. could be either different players on the park at the time or the other team was pressuring them and putting them out of their comfort zone, Pretty which is what you know, better teams can yeah. do. Yep. Yep. Good coaching. Well, you know, mm. John's done okay there. He's been there six seasons and he's 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 done extremely well, you know. So uh, maybe, yep. maybe just a better opposition. Maybe the guys over Easter are better than we are, have more choice of players. Well, I mean, this is why our players have an exodus and go over East, right? Because the competitions there are at that little bit of a higher level and uh, if they yeah. want to move up to the next level of football themselves, then they're going to get tested and, and increase their fitness and skills. Yeah, and absolutely. be seen. And the same is happening with the girls. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you're almost crying there, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it's not good. You're trying to build football here, uh, as the guys were talking about last week on the show, trying to improve the, the, the quality of the football here. And uh, I'm afraid, you know, you, you take a good player in from overseas or from anywhere who emigrates here and you, you get them in playing. And if they're any good, if they're above normal standard, they'll be off over east. Because they'll make more money, they'll. Well, <coughs> this is this is the way that it goes, right? It's it's the pathway in football. If you've got ambition, then you'll follow your ambition. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can't find what you need where you're at, where you're at, then you'll journey to somewhere else that can provide that. Yeah, that's life. Um, yeah. yeah, and you know you, you can be unhappy and you can resist and you can try and hold on to those players, or you can go have my blessing. I've done my bit and. They're on their journey into greater things, and they'll they'll get to the end point quicker if you give them the blessing rather than hold them back. Yeah. So the thing about it is, we've got to improve, though. That's right. Yeah. Our our whole you know, structure has got to get better so that eventually we can hold those players here. They want to stay here, and yeah. our competition is a good quality competition, so they can be in it and getting better, and we can have better entertainment and better football. I, um, I hope that. In 10 years' time, when someone is sitting in this studio making that comment, that it's because we've got to that next better stage? I hope so. Well... It'd it, be interesting to, to know someone that's been in football for so many decades that is an avid local football watcher that can note the increase in levels over the years. Yeah. Well, Normal mentioned it last week as well, uh, that he's 
been involved in NPL over the years, and he says it hasn't got any better in the last 10 years. Right. So you ask a question, is it going to get better in, in another 10 years? Well, it's it's down to all us in football yep. to raise the standards. There's a whole lot of things we need to do. Is that because there's a tyranny of distance between here and elsewhere and WA is remote, which has set us really well in COVID years until the borders opened, mm. um, but in terms of quality of competition and a, a landing place for anyone to be, really. I mean, we've got a couple of games here for the Festival of Football over east. You could travel within a few hours and go to various games over there, so yeah. there's more opportunity over there. So Yeah, that does make a difference. But, you know, it's still trying to raise the standards here is the key element of the whole thing, and I think... Football West have have really got to toe the line as well and 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 be a bit more strict and make Co- coaching education, different ways of including people in different football, connecting everybody, lots of things to do. Dave, yeah, need mm. to be stronger. Yep, I think we might be discussing this again in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football, of course. Mick Owens is our next guest from Inclusion Solutions. This is Penn and Dave, here till 12. Thanks for listening in. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware, components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258 6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Play football is a great experience. There's nothing like that. Well, your team feels great. Your teammates is like your brothers. You have to do everything for them, and they have to do the same for you. It's a good way to stay fit and have a good time with your friends. I spend my life with soccer. There's nothing like this. I just love playing football. Have fun, make friends, and keep active. Play football. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www futsalwa.org.au Welcome back to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. You can listen to us on 
the worldfootballprogram.com.au website or Radio Fremantle's live on air tab. Lots of ways you can listen in these days, not just to a plain old radio. In fact, some people don't have plain old radios. They just use their <laughs> phones and digital devices. <laughs> the times are moving. Good morning, Mick Owens. How are you today? Yeah, good, Penny. How are you? I'm pretty good. Super looking forward to the game tonight and everything that that brings about it. Just uh, excited to be in an atmosphere of everything football today. Yeah, good day for football fans, though. Yep, hopefully it doesn't include much rain to get from home to the train and train and in a queue and inside the stadium. I have my poncho. I don't think you're allowed to have umbrellas, so we've got to have those plastic ponchos. I'll be stashing one of those in my bag. Yeah. They make it just like England, no penny, so... I know. (laughs) That's what you want. Really make them feel at all. Yeah, it's not what I want, mate. (laughs) (laughs) So what's been happening in your week of football? Well, as you know, with all the uh, English teams in town, it's been a, a... a reasonably busy week. So Monday we had Aston Villa doing a blind football session at Perth Soccer Grounds at Dorian Gardens. So uh, that was good for them guys. Really highlighted the um, you know that game um, with the announcement that the Football Futures Foundation are hopefully going to be starting up a league next year. So you know that's that's a great sign of things to come for inclusive football. Yep. And then, of course, we had the Red Devils at the Wacker. Um, last minute, they um, asked all the United Reds to come on the pitch and meet some of the players and try the best at penalty shooting against one of the best goalkeepers in the world. So it's just absolutely amazing experience for the kids. Yes. On um, Sorry, that was Thursday, not yesterday. Sorry. Yep. Thursday, Penny. Yeah, so just fantastic. So they're highlighting you know, the United Reds, blind football, and then we've got Nationals coming up soon for the WA Patters. So there's lots of going on. And then Equal Football have got their Special Olympics sort of tournaments going on. So they're looking at picking state teams and all that. So it's pretty full on at the moment, Penny, to be honest. Yep. Does it make you tired or excited, Mick? A bit of everything. It's like no rest for the wicked at the moment, Penny. Like I just ran in from the shops because my son's asking him to make him birthday cakes for his girlfriend as well. So I just haven't stopped my sense of about 8 o'clock this morning. Well, luckily, uh, the Paddles aren't training today, so I've got a, a bit of a day off. But we're back on for the United Reds tomorrow at Vic Park. So they are going to be super excited about the day they had on Thursday, you know what I mean? Yeah. How much travelling do you do with your job? Um, I suppose no more than any sort of volunteer coach in the football world, Penny, or the sporting world. You know, you go and, I suppose with the United Reds, we've got Paul Divers, we've got Vic Park, we've got Whitford, we've got Dianella. I'm trying to get a few, um, you know, new or clubs that are keen to sort of host a few games as well, just to give them an idea of it. So, you know, it's just like what your average Sunday league coach does, really, Penny. What about when the borders opened and we're allowed to go out and come in? Does that mean that you're starting to tour with teams now? Um, we will be going over to Nationals for the first time in a few years since COVID sort of kicked off. So that's end of September. So that's with the WA Potters football program. Uh, that's in Queensland, I think. So touch wood, it all goes ahead, you know. 
yep. we're just waiting on all the finer details and we've had some lists to announce the players. So we're just getting all the players ready and geared up and hopefully, we're hoping, touch wood, we can maybe take two teams, which is a massive sign of like how far CP football or the WA Paddles has come over the years, you know, and that's through COVID as well. So, you know, it, it's it's getting bigger and bigger and, you know, people in clubs are becoming more inclusive and with the start of Football Futures Foundation, it's like, you know, trying to bring all the, um, all the inclusive football programs together or the football league, you know, you've got equal football, you've got United Reds, you've got the blind football now, you've got the Paddles. So if we can all work together to make everything stronger for people with disabilities so they've got more options, you know, to play football, whether you've got you're blind or you've got partial sight, whether you're just a kid with autism who wants to play football or, or you're just a very anxious kid who's never played football. Like United Reds is an inclusive league after all, so it's not necessarily about disability, it's about inclusivity and making clubs, you know, recognise the fact that all kids want to play football regardless of how good they are or whether they've got a disability. And then, like, this, like I said before, Penny, you got the the pathways for them through equal football, Special Olympics, through the WA Paras, and blind football, as we know, is a Paralympic event. So there's so many pathways for these kids. We just need to spread the word more, Penny. How, what's the connect with the professional football? So you said that... Um the group was down at the Manchester United training session and then at the blind football at uh, the Dorian Gardens. What's, yeah. the, what's the connect? Like, How did professional football fit into that space? Um, it's not so much the professional. It's more the them clubs, you know, you're like your Manchester United, your Aston Villa. They all have the community aspect of of the, the club, you know. So you've got your professional side, but then you bring it down to that level, community level, where you got, you know, guys with disabilities or playing for, you know, Man United, but a disability team. So it's not really a profession. It's just uh, giving, back giving everyone back. a chance to put... Yeah, giving back sort of to the community, you know? Yeah, it, it's, it's good. It's probably the connect that we don't really talk about so much but we were talking about inclusive football and football futures foundation bringing the programs together but i think it's pretty important that you've said manchester united have the united reds program and why yeah. do they why do they do that and what is it giving back and are other professional clubs out there doing that as well well i think all of them in england are especially in the premier league and your lower league i'm not too sure I don't know if Perth Glory... Perth Glory is supposed to get out into the schools and have their own activities like that. Um, I'm not sure about what's going on over East, to be fair. Um, um, I'm not, I don't know. It, Man United just came over. They wanted to leave a legacy in WA. So, you know, they looked around, see what was going on, and they must have seen that there was no... There was an empty space when it came to, you know, kids playing football who maybe had a disability or who, you know, were, had never played football before and you wanted to play in a fun sort of environment. I, so think, they, I think this is really important because uh, I remember Sepp Blatter many, many years ago saying that the biggest space for football to grow into was women's football. And yeah. it, it's gone in leaps and bounds, the professionalism, the equal pay, the profile, yeah. the professional leagues, the movement of players across the globe in the in the women's space. 
um, and there's still a lot of growth to be had there, which is income, uh, players playing, quality of leagues, all those things will improve and get better. Um, and then we're talking about inclusive football here, and it's still kind of new, really, Mick. So we're, not everybody knows what inclusive football is, and we've talked about the WA Paras, talked about blind football, equal footing ball, but that's us talking about it. But it's not yet reached enough out into the community, I feel, to enough clubs no. for everyone to know what no. it is. Yeah, and that's um, that's what Football Futures Foundation, you know, has sort of been brought about for to try and promote all these programs. And, you know, with the help of Inclusion Solutions, it's just been amazing, you know, getting all this going. And um, I think that's the key, bringing them all together, because before it was, it was all separate little entities sort of fighting for their own space. But I think the way forward is to get it, under Football Futures Foundation's, you know, umbrella, work together for all of them and um, just promote the game. And there's so many other avenues to explore, um, Penny, you know, there's Down syndrome football, there's autism, so there's all your specific disabilities. Uh, apply, like you play under a pan disability, so, you know, uh, a program that covers all the disabilities, but then there's pathways for these kids, in England anyway, not so much here, to go and play for the county of uh, the country, you know, in the different various disabilities, like amputee football for a, start, for a kick-off. Yeah. It's just, but football is sort of the porter cousin in Australia, so I think it's going to be a, a long trek. But as long as we're getting clubs, the community clubs, more aware, because it's not just about professional, it's about, you know, community, Penny, and mm. making sporting clubs more sort of proactive in promoting, like, inclus- inclusion within their club, like... And probably accessibility people. as well too, Mick. Like, yeah, accessibility, just, you know, sports should be for everyone, shouldn't it, really? So that's sort of what we're all about. I think... Like, that, I'm more about... That, sorry, that, that's really important what you just said, then. Sports should be for everyone, but here we are talking about blind football, um, para-football, uh, equal footing. But, like, these are things that are new terms on the football landscape in the last, you know, three or four or five years, yeah. um, and inclusive football in the past has maybe meant girls and boys will get access to the change rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So it's come, a, it's come a long way, but there's still a long way to go, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think it's probably a, you know, one of those areas that is going to just keep growing, um, and I, I really keep coming back to there's a Women's World Cup happening in Australia yeah. next year. It's going to touch here in Perth, and there's a lot of redevelopment of facilities, a lot of promises that have gone into the the local sporting areas to upgrade yeah. facilities, and I kind of hope it reaches not just for the girls and the boys, but just for everything, like accessibility for all. Yeah, yeah, for all, like girls and boys with disabilities, you know. Or, yep. Yep. And, um, you know, like you've got to take your hat off to people like Telethon, and, you know, they've really, really got behind the United Reds League, and they're just so... They are really keen to promote football and to help it in any way they can like for kids you know like there's not many, when you go down to blind football there's not many kids playing to be fair plenty it's it's, it's like guys 15 and over so I think for blind football that's sort of their sort of challenge to get more younger ones playing and because you need like good grassroots to have a strong sort of program you know so there's a few challenges ahead but um, you know if we all face them together I think we, we'll um we definitely improve, you know, 
So do you think that the, you know? Do you think the challenges for the the lack of kids being involved is because it's a care thing? Like the parents have to be there to manage it, and it's mm, no, not really. Uh, I'd say it's promotion, and then parents maybe having a fear of oh, what am I, oh, you know, you know, they're scared for the for the child maybe to go and have a go and. But once they get over that fear part and just give it a go and see that it's it's just about fun, you know, learning a, a few new skills. Uh, it's an amazing social thing for them, just for the parents as well, not just the, the children. So yeah, Mick, but, one of the yeah. things that uh, I I came across when I was present <coughs> at Melville there was that there's there are so many different disabilities to try and deal with yeah. it, that yeah. it, it was difficult to, well, if you set up one area, you're letting the, the, the other kids down as well. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So well, is, it, is, is there an organisation that sort of controls or balances all these sort of things out? or Not really, not really. Dave, is it? Yes, Dave? it is. Yeah. Yeah, hi, Dave. Um no, so you'd have your, you know, I suppose you different charity, you know, like Autism WA might have a, a program in the school holidays, like for kids with autism, but then it's just a program, there's nothing after that, it stops. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, could maybe could Autism, with the help of Football Futures Foundation, could they get an autistic league going, you know, for kids who are able, who could who can cope with having a game of football? Yeah. And, you know, there is, it's, like I say, there's challenges, but if you've got the right people trying to iron the problems out, then, you know, there are solutions. you just you just got to be, give it a go. Like, if you, I think it's Starkick, Rob Gearson, who runs the Starkick Aussie Rules program. Mm-hmm. You know, his motto is, if they want to play, we'll find a way. So, yeah, I like you that. know, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not hard playing. Football's a very simple game, like I said last time. Just yeah. the ball. Couple of you don't even need a go, you know, just and that's it. Away you go. Yeah, a couple of jackets down and off you go. Yeah, yeah, like we were kids, we're back yeah. in the UK. You know the school, Dave. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> now we um, can't let you go without talking about Everton. So... Yeah, I uh, don't really want to talk about them, Penny, okay, but I'll go on. <laughs> <laughs> now, how are they, how are they gonna... looking? Then they didn't come to Australia. Why didn't they come to Australia? They are coming in um, November. Sydney, so when the World Cup's on, they're bringing the team over with Celtic. So I think Rangers were supposed to come and they pulled out. So Everton and Celtic are coming out. Excellent. Which is good, because Everton and Celtic are, um, you know, like, well, it depends what, what side of Liverpool you're from, whether you're Catholic or Protestant, I suppose. But Everton and Celtic, I always thought were like the two, you know, they were brother, two brothers, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. There's always been a strong connection with Everton and Celtic. Yeah. Um, see, you, you've let uh, Big Duncan go. Yeah, well, I think he's um, he's wanting to go and have a go on his own. So you know, fair play to him. It's about time he's been sort of in the shadows for long enough. So absolutely, no, I'm, I I appreciate him. I love his enthusiasm. Yeah, he's a top bloke, Al Johnson. Everton through and through. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what's going to be impressive about Everton this coming season? I don't know. It's, I think just stay in the Premier League, Penny. You know. It's going to be hard for him, Frank Lampard. He's got a he's got a tough tough gig this year, I think. 
Well, well that, uh, was, that was short and sweet. Far out. I thought well, well ask me the question again. I missed the... Ask me what did you ask me, Penny? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are Everton going to go? Yeah, that, yeah, that's it. How are they looking for the season? They're not looking good, okay. to be fair. <laughs> they just got stuffed 4-0 by Minnesota United at America, so... Okay. Oh. You know, we had, I think, there was one season where we had a, a shocker of a pre-season. We ended up finishing fourth. So you just, you know, pre-season, pre-season. Huh? Do you have a second team, like a backup plan? Maybe Celtic with Ange Postecoglou, mate. Yeah. You know, Penny, can I just say quickly, um, like the United players yesterday on Thursday with them kids, they were just absolutely amazing, you know, like... Harry Maguire in particular and um, Bruno Fernandes, I think they just, oh, they were superb. And even the coach, I can't remember his name, the new coach, he's the, the target. Don't know, yeah. He came over and he was asking what it was all about. He, you know, he was really, he had a very stern face, serious face, but he was, you know, genuinely interested in what was going on. So, you know, if these professionals can do it, like everyone should be able to do it, shouldn't they? You know what I mean? Yeah, very yeah. true. Yeah. yeah so. So would you say that the atmosphere was relaxed? I, I, from my point of view, looking at them setting up and doing it, I don't know if that's normal for them, but they look very relaxed, very comfortable, the players and everybody down there. Yeah. yeah they look they're all pretty relaxed, you know. They're all trying to impress the new boss, as you'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, biggest team in the world, aren't they? As much yeah. as I hate to say it, but they should be up there this year, I think. I think it'll be a good season this year. There's a, quite a few teams have improved quite a bit, so yeah. I don't think it'll just be City and Liverpool fighting it out. I think there'll be a few in the mix, hopefully, yeah. for the game. It's good for the game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, th- I think you'll see a difference at Spurs as well. And, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. old West Ham of... Um, you know. Yeah, they're looking all right. Villa, even Gerard with Villa, they're talking yeah. about you know trying to get into the Champions League. And... Yeah. I haven't been very impressed with the Aston Villa games that I've watched in this tour. Haven't you? No, I have no. not. I haven't seen any, to be honest. <laughs> Too busy. I'm, I'm more interested in inclusive football, to be honest, nowadays, Penny. Okay. Good lad. Yeah, yeah, just watch that. And, um, you know, and... Uh, I don't know if you know, if I mentioned this, but we've got eight WA players being selected for the Australian camp coming up in August. So the Australian CP, or Pararoos is the course. They've got, um, like, they get together every four or five months. And we've had eight players from WA selected to go over and have a go at the camp. So that's yeah. fantastic. That is that's super fantastic. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Is that because Plus, our, our program is stronger here than in some of the other states? Um, well, you've got New South Wales and Victoria who have got pretty good programs. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. we just got good players, you know. Yeah. Guys who are super keen. Like, there's lots of other people out there with CP who maybe don't know about the program. So, you know, if anyone's out there listening who's a young one, I'd like, with the patterns, we're, you know, the young ones now are getting older. So we've had, I think, four of our kids who came through sort of the youth sort of side of the programme have all been sort of like, they're all like, well, the youngest is 13, Marco. The oldest is about 16, Giacomo. Uh, so you've got Marco, Rafferty, Giacomo, and Sam, I think. So they've all came through since they were eight or nine. And they're like 15, 16 now. And, you know, the, the, so it, it's really benefited them 
like playing football, basically, you know. And um, yeah. so they've gone through the youth part of it, and in, they're now playing in the senior team, looking for selection for the state. But they're actually now looking for selection for the national team. So it's just fantastic. No, that is excellent. Yeah, good and job. That's, and that's going through COVID, Penny. You know, like the yeah. two years, just trying to keep everyone interested. And we've got so many other players that, you know, they go away for a while and then they come back. So, you know, we're just trying to do the right thing. But, and it's not about just competing for Australia. It's about just coming down, having a kick, having a laugh. Well, it's like a big family. And one of, the boys, one of the boys actually came through the United Reds as well, Penny. So it just, it, it just shows the pathways are, are available. For these, for the kids, when you come into the United Reds, you know if the if they can't um, go into the mainstream because they find it a bit too tough, you got your equal foot and ball, and then if they want to like sort of go down the international, then you got your double A paras as well. So it all links up, and it's and it's we just got to keep sort of promoting it and getting clubs aware of what's out there, getting clubs more. You know, get more United Reds clubs for kickoff and like equal football clubs, and hopefully it can just grow and grow and grow, and then you you can move on then to you know like your sort of amputee football down syndrome. There's there's no limit, Penny. You know, I was even I'm always thinking about what can we do, what can we do, and of course there's my old mate Mick Lyons, the Everton ex Everton player who lives in Perth. Yeah. Do you know Mick, Penny? Yeah, I know Mick. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yep. And he, you know, we all know he's been diagnosed with dementia recently. Yep. Oh. So, which is really sad for me. And, you know, maybe we should start, like, a walking football dementia program. You know what I mean? Because, like, yeah. why not? Get these guys out there, ex-footballers who have played a bit of football, doing a bit of walking football. I'm sure it would help them. Yes. So, yeah. this is the way I'm constantly thinking, Penny. I go to bed and I'm like, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? So, that's yeah. how my mind works. <laughs> I'm more into more First Nations kids as well. I think that's a big one. Yeah, absolutely. For me. Mick, we're going to talk more, but not right now. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for joining us today. I really do appreciate sharing everything that is inside that head of yours. And I'm sorry about Everton. <laughs> I really am. Uh, that's all right. You know, Everton do the Like, Everton are probably the best team in the world when it comes to all this stuff. And, like, that's... I'm not just saying that. They really are. You know, like, your community football and all that. Yeah. They, they lead the way big time. Well, maybe we might need to get someone involved with Everton having a chat on the program. If you know anyone, well, let us know. I do. I know Steve Johnson. He's the, he runs the Everton in the community. He he's actually the best. He was also world amputee football. So he's like the Messi of um, amputee football. Wow. I'll be in touch. Yeah. yeah, and I could also try and get you Alex Wilson, who runs the Manchester United sort of foundation community. So, so there's a guy, John, who's the CEO, but Alex is, like, sort of man on the ground. But the only problem is them Penny that are, like, eight hours behind, you know? Yeah. Yep, got it. Unless you did a, a video uh, recording and then played it. We're all about thing, live know? stuff here. like to get <laughs> someone and just uh, get right in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like, you know, if it, I'll put the idea out to them. They might be willing to get up at, what time is it now? So it'll be, it'll be about two o'clock in the morning over there, won't it? Wow. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Mick, you have an yeah. you have an awesome rest of the day, and uh, yeah, and go you. to the game. Enjoy. Yeah, I won't be going to game. Okay. Unless um, 
what's his face, Mr. Tatag, phones me up and invites me. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think he will. <laughs> Mick, it's been fantastic having a chat with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, Cheers, no worries, Benny. Yeah, yeah thanks, Dave. Yeah. See you later. Bye-bye. See ya. Take it easy. Bye. That was Mick Owens, who is a coach in the inclusion solution space. He just uh, gets up to everything that there is and is a great promoter of everything inclusive football and trying to get things connected. So uh, inclusion solutions, uh, it's on the web. Hop yeah, on and have a look if you want to connect in some way. Yeah, you, you know, this is where the club should, should get in touch with them and uh, try and promote because... Uh, as I said, I, I, I was It's an asked, unknown space, I think, to a lot of people, yeah. Dave. I was asked on many occasions, can you do something for this child? Can you do something for that child? But they've all got different uh, disabilities. And yep. how, how do you match that together? Yep. You, you can't. You've got to sort of find a team of a specific disability and a, another team and, and put them all together. Okay, we are going to go to break and come back and have a chat to Dave Templeman, WA Sports Minister. This is Penn and Dave in the studio. Back soon. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. For football's sake. For the sake of our registered players, there's 37,000 of them. For the sake of the game. For the sake of the dozens of high achievers who are already flying the WA flag in the world's best football leagues. For the sake of our visitors from Asia and beyond, whose cultures are woven through football. For the sake of Perth Glory, the state's A-League team, which aims to inspire the next generation. For the sake of the mums and the dads, the fans, the followers and the football faithful, who are steeped in the most popular sport on the planet. Football needs a home. Football deserves a home. Every family needs a home. For football's sake. Coaching football. Is it about leading your nation? Or giving back to your community? Is it about inspiring the next generation? Or just spending time together? Find out what coaching football means to you. Visit myfootballclub.com.au Hi. I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny and Dave in the studio talking football until 12 o'clock. And our guest right now is David Templeman, WA Sports Minister, amongst other things in the portfolio. Good morning, Dave. Uh, good morning, Penny, and good morning, Dave. It's good to join you this morning. Thank yeah. you so much for giving us your time. And uh, I, I'm just going to put it right out there. Do you know Miranda Templeman, who's a famous footballer? If you don't know, I can introduce you if you need. <laughs> Well, I, I haven't met her, no, but I need to because uh, I'm always happy to meet a famous Templeman. Excellent. <laughs> and, and but what, uh, so who does she play for? So Young Matildas, so the um, young women's football team in Australia, and she's from 
here in Perth and at the moment oh, she's wow. playing her football over east and her family live here and I haven't met many Templemans, I don't know many of them Dave, so I just yep. thought that maybe you'd be connected. Well, it's probably likely that Templeman name's not very common so what a great achievement for her to uh, be part of that team and uh, I'd love to meet her, that'd be fantastic. I'll Oh, Penny, if you can organise it, I'll be there. Uh, absolutely. I'm sure she'd be thrilled too to know someone famous like yourself, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, so um, it's the first time that you've joined us on the program and it's always great to have someone that's got a, a wider perspective than local grassroots football and competitions join us and just talk about some of the things that impact on sport generally, not just soccer, our football code. Um, so give us an idea of travelling through COVID. What have been some of the things that have impacted sports generally here in Perth and Western Australia? Oh, well, look, um, obviously for Western Australia, um, the impact was, was very, very significant. Uh, not as significant, of course, as some of the other codes uh, or some of the other impacts, particularly in uh, Victoria and New South Wales during, during the height of COVID, where uh, obviously community sport was basically shut down and... Uh, uh, sadly, for many, many months, uh, and for most of um, certainly for most of 2020 and into 21, uh, community sport and uh, um, um, organised sport more generally was impacted hugely in the east. In the west, we certainly had impacts because we know that um, uh, even though we were able to get 75% of the season uh, was able to still be played with with restrictions in 2020. Um, the uh, impacts were huge. Registrations dropped uh, around 20% in 2020. And, of course, one of the things that always concerns me, has concerned me, is what impact COVID might have had on volunteerism. Because as you yeah. and uh, Dave know very well, that um, our community sport, our layers of sp- sport through uh, all of our communities in WA uh, rely basically so heavily on volunteerism, the fact that people turn up every week uh, at training, the coaches, the umpires, the people who give their time to manage teams, to support kids. Um, so I, we're watching that carefully because I think that's one of the um, the challenges is uh, if we have lost volunteers, then what do we need to do to make sure that we uh, uh, in- increase the numbers again and, uh, and, and also retain the ones we have? So COVID um, has been uh, has significant a lot of lot of change that was required in terms of uh, just just in terms of health and hygiene, um, you know measures to make sure people kept safe. Thankfully, we had some grants of uh, up to fifteen hundred dollars to made available to clubs and associations to support them in governance, marketing, and volunteerism, and we had some great support by Lottery West. Um, Football West, for example, uh, received nearly uh, 1.4 million to support their programs to help football to rebound. Uh, that was important investment. Uh, we um, uh, supported the Kids Sport Program, which is a very important program to engage kids into sport. Um, and uh, there was some additional funding there, and also some additional funding to um, connect. Uh, kids to sport through uh, swimming lessons year-round as well. So, look, we in Western Australia, we, we obviously, as we know, um, we're far and above the better than some of the other states, but there's no doubt to impact it. And uh, we are, I think, rebuilding, but rebuilding in a very positive way. And in terms of participation, 
particularly in football, um, there's a re- we're, um, we're seeing figures of around 5% growth in 2022 and a much larger increase in growth in females playing um, football. So those are good indicators that the, the uh, code in terms of football is bouncing back as with other codes as well. Yeah, d- definitely. I, I personally have seen myself this year what I feel is the biggest impact and that's because the borders opened and the, I feel last year we had a bit of stability, so 2021 was a bit more stable in terms of numbers, registrations, competitions, talking soccer, football, and then this year the borders opened and then COVID has kind of ravaged through and it's impacted on the numbers being available of volunteers and then people on the grass being able to play the sport. So there's refixturing and postponed fixtures and, of course, in winter with grass it means there's some lakes out there and we have to reshuffle the, the grassed areas to other areas and so forth. So I, I feel this year has been the most impacted for West Australian in soccer. Do you think that that's happened for other sports, Dave? Look, it has. I'm aware in other codes that, and you're right, Penny, uh, it has those um, uh, demands in terms of having to be more flexible, uh, re- rescheduling games, um, catering for uh, the fact that... Uh, uh, you know, four or five might be suddenly out with COVID, so you've got to look at rejigging teams. Those are certainly challenges that they're facing um, all codes. I know even in my own household, my daughter plays... ...had to uh, rejig their, their games, reschedule because of uh, uh, unavailability of players because they're isolating from COVID. So absolutely. Now, again, that, <clears throat> for me... As sports minister, that concern for me is is what to, what do we need to do to support grassroots community sport? You're, you're breaking up us on the Dave. I can't hear you. I think I think he's moving around. Yeah, <laughs> Dave, are you on a digital device? Because you're breaking up on us. I, I might just lose that line and reconnect you in a moment, Dave. And well, there goes Dave. Talk, talk amongst ourselves there. Yeah, we'll I do that. Just notice something uh, on the uh, the the world of football. Uh, a famous gentleman and German soccer player called Uwe Zeller. And <coughs> sadly died at 85 years old and uh, he was quite a player in his day, way back in the 60s, back in my sort of era. There is one other thing I was happened to be at the Mandura game on uh, Saturday there and um, I met an old friend of mine, Terry Goddard who started up walking football in uh, down in Mandura and also Robbie Glover has uh, kicked it off up in Subi as well, so good luck to these guys with their uh, walking football. Yeah, that is one area that is growing <coughs> pretty hugely, I reckon. Yeah, I tried to talk old guys in at Melville to get it going, but nah, they all felt they could still play 90 minutes on a dirty, muddy grass pitch. Give it time, Dave. Give it time. <laughs> Dave Templeman, are you back with us? I'm back with you, Penny and Dave, and sorry about that. Excellent. Uh, you're you're from down Mandurah Way, aren't you? Maybe there's a little bit of am, interference of storms, etc. Lived, et lived in Mandurah for 35 years. Yep. 
Yeah, there's a fairly strong contingent of football down that way with the Mandurah City Football Club, soccer club down there. Yeah. They've got some great groups of female players down that way. Uh, I think the uh, the code's very strong in Mandurah and the Peel area. Uh, I just heard Dave, I think it was Dave, just talking briefly about the walking football. Yes. I've seen that. I've seen that in action down here in Mandurah. Uh, I think that, again, is a great example of increased participation, allowing people to have a go, uh, get fit at the same time or improve their fitness, uh, lose some weight. Uh, I, it's a great program, and I've seen it in action down here myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, my friend uh, Terry Goddard has been trying to put it together and it's, it has actually made it. And I think he got some local funding to to help them, you know, buy a kit and get get sort of organised and uh, yeah, it's it's really good and uh, good luck to them. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I think I think Dave, the great thing the thing about those sorts of initiatives are the ones that I want to hear about as Minister for Sport because you know when we're looking at funding new programs or supporting additional funding, those sorts of things I think are really important because it keeps people in the sport for longer. It brings them back into the sport, and it also um, you know, encourages good, positive, healthy, uh, uh, healthy lifestyle. So those sorts of programs, uh, quite often for just a small bit of funding, they can be kicked off, uh, you know, they can kick off and uh, involve lots and lots of people and provide brilliant benefits to, uh, to uh, everyone in, involved. Uh, so a great program and I'd, I'd be keen to support uh, an expansion of that sort of effort. You can yeah. not retire ever. Really, <laughs> and that's something that's happened in the last ten or fifteen years of football. I reckon, Dave, is that it's gone from a winter sport to every month of the year sport, yeah. and it's placed such great demand on resources and facilities that we've had to be a bit more flexible in the way that we manage things and want to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Very well, I think that's the great advantage of the code. Uh, I know lots of uh, parents who, when they're considering the sorts of uh, sports that they want their kids to get involved in, uh, um, the uh, football is one that is high on their priority because it, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, not like some other codes where it's, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of parents worrying about concussion issues at the moment. Yes, um, with kids and their young and their young uh, teenagers, so. Uh, football is, and, and of course, it's a be- it's a beautiful sport to watch. And of course, from both men and women's perspective, we've got you know champions um, in uh, in the higher leagues uh, and the national game that are attracting a lot of attention. You know, young girls just uh, and young boys just admire people like Sam Kerr and others. Yeah. And uh, and of course, we've got the uh, the uh, the uh, women's uh, World Cup. Um, coming into uh, Perth next year, uh, which is going to be, I think, very exciting and going to be very important for the game more broadly in terms of interest. And, uh, and uh, I, uh, you know, like anything, we'll see, I think, when that uh, World Cup comes here, the Women's World Cup, um, we're going to see a peak again or a real lift in participation and interest in the game. I yeah. sure hope so, but uh, could you put in a good word for us because the Matildas are not playing any games here in Perth and Sam is from the local community. In fact, she's sat in this studio and had a chat to us when she was a young one. She's from the Spearwood area, which is where this station operates from, yet she's not going to be coming back and playing football here. I'm, uh, I'm a bit 
you know, annoyed about that. Dave, yeah. can you do something uh, for us? I'm a bit, I'm a, hey, Penny, I'm a bit peeved about it myself, <laughs> i got to say. Uh, you know, I mean, look, we'll, we'll keep uh, chat, uh, highlighting to, uh, to those that uh, organise the, uh, the schedule and the, and the fixtures. Uh, you know, it is a disappointment. But I've got to say, though, we're going to still have uh, the best in the world here playing in, uh, in Perth. Uh, and I think it's uh, uh, important for all of us through our grassroots uh, level, through our clubs, to really get out there and promote this opportunity uh, for uh, the best in the world of women's um, football will be played here in Perth. We want to get big crowds. We want to get uh, people excited about the fact that, you know, they're going to be able to see the world's best. Yeah, I'm a bit peeved that they won't see Sam and her team, but... I'll keep plugging away and saying, hey, if there's any chance, <laughs> get them here because we want to see them. And what will we expect to see as a resident here of Perth? What will we expect to see in the lead-up to the World Cup? Will we see banners? Will we see uh, buildings light up? Will we see special events along the way? Will there be ambassadors coming and doing talks or famous people that we'll be able to connect to the World Cup in our local community? What will we see? Oh, yeah, look, that's that's something that is absolutely crucial to the... Not not just to the games themselves, the build-up. Look, just like we're having now, as you know, uh, the, there's four Premier League teams in town uh, playing as part of the Icon uh, Festival of Football. Uh, big numbers last night at um, Optus. There'll be big numbers this afternoon for the game between Manchester United and, uh, and uh, Aston Villa. But, look... Um, there will be a very much a festival aspect to this. I met with the ambassador, Madam. Uh, um, um, now I can't think of her last name, but the the uh, key uh, world um, uh, world cup uh, ambassador who is uh, high up in the, the level of uh, administration of the world cup. She was visiting here only last month. Met with her. We had a great conversation. She is is monitoring the. Development and the uh, the uh, adjustments to our game uh, game venues for the World Cup, and I've uh, assured her that we will very much cultural festival aspect of the game. We want to make sure we've got connections to uh, grassroots sport, uh, to grassroots football. We want to see young kids seeing these, um, seeing and meeting, and have an opportunity to watch, train these uh, these. Uh, Star players from around the world. Uh, we want to make sure that the uh, there's a lighting up of our key key uh, iconic cultural venues in terms of lights. We want to make sure that there's banners down the St George's Terrace. Uh, this is about it making an, a, an event that everyone feels involved in, that they can participate in, and they can be excited about. And then, of course, we want them to go to the games and see world class female football. In action, and I think it's a, it's a very exciting time, and uh, I can assure you, it's going to be huge, and we're going to take advantage of every aspect to make it uh, something to remember. What do we want to be the best outcome for Perth once the World Cup has left the shores? I think what we want to do is make sure that um, uh, decision makers, when they go away from Perth, um, when the games have finished and when uh, everything's been packed away, that they will remember Perth as a brilliant place to uh, bring world-class events like the Women's World Cup 
too. We want them to go away knowing that it's a safe place to visit. It's an easy place to get around, uh, that it is friendly, that facilities are top class, and that when you come here to experience a world event, a world sporting event like the 2023 Women's World Cup, you're going to uh, uh, see something and experience something special in a special city. So that's what I want them to go away with, and knowing that if they were choosing Perth uh, for uh, another event of that nature and that magnitude, uh, or indeed other codes were looking at Perth as an option, uh, that they would know they'd have a safe bet, if you like. The other thing, Penny and, and Dave, which I think is really important, is Western Australians are fanatical sports attendees. They, they go to lots of sports. They, if there's a big spectacle and if there's lots of people... Uh, if, if it's an event that is, you know, high-class, world-class, West Australians will go, and they'll go in their tens of thousands. So, you know, in that respect, you're always going to get a crowd, and that's what I think is important in this. Um, so uh, I think uh, if we come away from the 2023 Women's World Cup with uh, a huge reputation for being a brilliant place to host events of that magnitude, then I think we've succeeded. So... Good weather's got to be a good part of that, I reckon. And I think we do have pretty darn good weather here. I, I feel quite blessed that some of the amazing weather events that are happening in other parts of Australia and the world are not happening here. Mm. I mean, we might have our hot weather, but then it goes and we have our mild weather. We have our pretty cool winters and we have a few storms here and there, but the roofs are still on and we can get out and we play our sports and enjoy the lovely environment here. So that that's one thing. And we've got plenty of space too. So if we need to build something, we can you know have a look at the outskirts of town and there's some more space out there to do things and we're pretty temperate people too. I think we're pretty well-natured too, Dave. <laughs> hey, Penny, Penny, Penny and Dave, I think uh, West Australians have a great reputation. The other thing I think we should never um, underestimate is our multicultural makeup of our population I think is an advantage. Yes. Uh, certainly for, the, for, the, for, the, for football. Uh, we have people from most nations, if not all nations on Earth, who've now called Perth home. Uh, obviously, very big UK contingent living in the north and south of Perth, but we've got huge numbers of people now from uh, various countries in the world who, of course, adore and love the, game, the great game of football. Um, and uh, that's epitomised, I think, by the you know the sellout crowd that'll be going to uh, tonight's match um, at Optus Stadium. But you know, we are a great group of people. Western Australians are very, very friendly, very welcoming. And I reckon if we can build on that and make sure that we get that reputation even more broadly known, uh, it puts us in great stead to host events into the future, both big and small, and uh, and means that uh, all the positive stuff that hosting events like that bring, whether it's the, the economic events, the social events, and the fact that we're doing something positive and, and, and uh, worthwhile. I reckon that all adds up and, you know, uh, West Australians, great people, friendly people, welcoming people. Yeah. I, reckon I, I think what I'd like to see out of an event like the Festival of Football that's um, culminating tonight and uh, World Cup is a legacy that anybody that didn't necessarily go and take part in those events 
can see the legacy and that might be a good stadium for other sports to attend or it might be the atmosphere that was created and then another touring team comes along and the same atmosphere can be recreated um, that someone has that personal connect and feels that they really like something about Perth when they came here so they're going to bring their team back or another team back or they're going to come for a holiday because the hotel was pretty awesome um, the weather kept us you know in that temperate kind of space and they were unable to do all those things as well I just that that legacy is really powerful for me that the government does something that creates that legacy and then we all do our bit to create that legacy as well so it's ongoing Penny I think you're spot on and I think that uh, we need to learn and make sure that we are delivering legacies from events such as uh, the one we're seeing this weekend the world women's world cup next year uh, I agree. I think it's they shouldn't just be seen as one-off things. That you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, celebration and a lot of excitement in, for a you know set period, and then it's all all dissipates. And look, in terms of infrastructure legacies, there's um, we 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 continue to assess uh, where growth is in sports, uh, where growth is in terms of opportunity, uh, and um, we'll assess uh, you know this weekend's. Uh, outcomes uh, and also make sure that we uh, talk about what happens when the next one comes what can we do better uh, how what legacy should we invest in early to make sure that the benefits are longer lasting i think you're right and uh, mm. you know can i assure you and the listeners that as sports minister that's something that i'm very focused on well it's cost um, effective isn't it that you put your money absolutely. into something and then the the back end of that is that you can repeat that again and again and again and then it affects the community in a positive way yeah absolutely and um you know one of the things that i'm very keen about is that whether it's hosting the Women's World Cup in uh, 2023 or whether it's uh, visiting um, visiting uh, teams, um, uh, the Premier League teams like we've got this weekend, whether it's uh, 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 even other teams that might choose to or want to bring their, their uh, crew here to uh, Perth in the future, that uh, we keep making those links to grassroots football. We keep making those links to the kids. I'm very strong on kids in sport. I just think that... If we're going to continue to develop a real strong culture of participation, um, being involved, uh, having a lifelong love of sport and playing a role in that, whether it be as a volunteer, whether it be as a coach, whether it be as somebody who, uh, you know, uh, has a lasting uh, love and will to participate, uh, I think those are all important things for community. If you've got a community that's strong on participation that's strong on inclusion of kids uh, working with kids giving them the opportunities uh, i think that uh, has huge benefits to the broader community overall and so uh you're spot on with your your focus on uh, on that need to really look at how do we make sure we maximize the benefit of having the world's best in perth um it's great to have sell out crowds but what does that mean for those who yes. weren't in the crowd yeah. or couldn't get into the crowd I think you're right, and that's something that I'm very conscious of, uh, of. You know, at the end of the day, sport delivers so much to the community, it, not only health and well-being, but feeling belonging. I mean, mm. people belong. They feel like they belong to a community when they uh, are involved in or participate in sport at whatever level. And um, those benefits are great for mental health, for physical health, 
and I think ultimately uh, are a litmus test for the health of the broader community too. Yep. Dave, Dave, are you able to share some success stories from other sports where COVID has impacted them and numbers, resources or volunteer management, whatever it is, in such a way that they've had to go in a different direction to make them more successful or survive? Look, there's a, there's a couple. Uh, look, one, can I just say one of the things that um, COVID uh, perhaps uh, may have, and, and, and if there's anything positive from COVID, one of them is is the issue of participation. Um, I, I went to, and this was in the code of um, AFL, but I know it's being looked at even more closely in some of the other codes as well, and hockey I think is doing it, netball to some extent, and that's the actual involvement of kids, particularly kids uh, with disabilities. Um, I went to uh, Kulbinia a couple of Sundays ago and watched um, their Star Kick program, which involves kids, and some of them have quite severe uh, intellectual and/or um, physical disability. But here were these kids smiling, you know, smiles as wide as their faces. Their mums and dads, their uncles, their uh, friends uh, and their brothers and sisters pushing them along um, and they were playing a game and they were involved in the game. They were participating. And the joy that that brought to those kids, the joy that that brought to those parents and to those family members and friends who were there and they were in big numbers is just, you know, your heart sort of swells up because you're just so proud of it. Now, I think COVID has highlighted to us all the importance of participation. I think people love getting out on the ground, on the field, on the court. Uh, and when you see kids who normally might be restricted in doing that out there uh, having a go, I just think, well, it brings tears to my eyes. I mean, I, I was just, you know, <laughs> overwhelmed by the, the, the beauty of it. So that's one example of, um, I suppose, some codes looking at outside the square, I suppose, saying, okay, how do we increase participation? The other one is, um, I'll give you an example of another code, bowls, lawn bowls. I was talking to a fellow who uh, is actually involved in the disability sector in, a, in an administrative way, but they uh, had a club, a small club in inner city, Perth, declining numbers, uh, but they were able to get uh, positions on the committee. The bowling club probably would have folded. It's in the, in Leaderville area. Uh, but uh, they their approach was to make it or turn it into a community club, encourage families, uh, encourage activities on Saturday afternoons, as, long, as well as bowls. Uh, and they went from membership of 150 to 900. Whoa. I find that remarkable. That's amazing. Um, and why did they do it? Because the club was ailing. Um, uh, but they had a catchment of people who could walk to the, the bowling club, get there easily. Um, they were, you know, kid-friendly. I think that's really important. Uh, they're kid-friendly, and now Saturday afternoons and Sunday afternoons, not only is bowls played and a few other games, but you've got people coming there for the social experience as well. And, you know, for a membership to go from 150 and you know, on decline... Um, and now have demographics of uh, you know young families, families with toddlers and kids, and um, and that club now is very very healthy. Nine hundred members, I think, is a good example of where you just change your thinking. You know the rigid sort of perhaps ways of the, of the past. Um, 
yeah. uh, adapt it, and you can you can make a huge difference. That club now is profitable. That club now is on a very good trajectory, uh, and uh, it's in it's it's included so many more people in participation. Mm. And I think there's a couple of examples of where I've seen yeah, some, good some other codes respond. Now, before we let you go, and I just couldn't find the song Frank Sinatra's "I Did It My Way." Why were you singing that? Um, <laughs> is it your? Is this your second career choice? <laughs> Penny and Dave, you've got to in my in my career, you've always got to have a fallback. <laughs> you've always got to have a fallback. Yeah. Uh, look, I've done a lot of theatre over many many years. <clears throat> I do a, 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 as leader of the house in the parliament. I have uh, uh, one of my jobs at the end of the year is to uh, thank all the staff at Parliament House. It's, a, it's called the, <coughs> the uh, adjournment speech. Uh, it's usually pretty boring because you've got a huge list of people you thank and, they, and they're important to be thanked. But I, I sort of five years ago when I became Leader of the House, on, on a sort of a spur of the moment thing, decided I'll, I'll do a song instead. You know, I'll do a song to, you know, to round off the year. And it's become a bit of a... Um, become a bit of a tradition now so you know and the pressure's on penny and dave yeah you're going to, to top come up that one song. the pressure's on so every year i've got to try and top it and i was in india only last week as part of a delegation with roger cook the minister for trade and uh, of course india i'm very big in india because they follow the uh, they've they've that, the uh, that song and others before it went a bit viral. So I had a few people <laughs> in India last week say, you are famous, Mr. Templeman, you are famous here. <laughs> so it was, it was quite, so I said, well, I'm more famous here than I am in my own country. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but what a you great, have an uh, excellent great voice, by the way. It was oh, well, you know, I used to, well, plenty of, the, I've done a lot of, so I used to be an entertainer before I uh, went into parliament. I used to sing a bit with a mate of mine. So, you know, as I said, Penny and Dave, Always have a couple of other options up your sleeve. You never know when you might not be... <laughs> they might not vote for you next time, so you're going yeah. to have a few options up your sleeve. Yeah. This is true. I, 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 I actually do have a pointed question. Just Sneak it in, Dave. Taking away from the banter. Yep. The, the home of football, how, how is that coming along? Yeah, look, very important. I mean, uh, as you know, um, the... Uh, the, um, uh, the Home of Football is a very important project uh, and the uh, the work on that continues um, and uh, I'm monitoring that closely because, you know, obviously with the the, uh, the pressures of, uh, of work, workforce pressures that are currently um, uh, experiencing and, uh, and making sure the projects are on time uh, or delivered on time uh, is something that I'm very conscious of. But look, can I assure you that that's, uh, that's got a high priority. The Football Centre needs to be... Um, delivered uh, and um, we've got um, uh, the, the work's continuing on that uh, and of course that again is also going to be a very important uh, uh, beacon of interest and, uh, and investment in the great game of football look I, I think football more broadly Dave has a great future in Western Australia it, it's growing in interest it's huge numbers now in both boys girls women, men, uh, and uh, we've got magnificent uh, teams uh, uh, around uh, Western Australia. I just, uh, uh, I think uh, things are looking very positive for the code going forward. And um, uh, the World Cup and other events are going to help in, even more enhance the uh, the status of the code as a, as a major code that delivers great outcomes for a 
kids, young people, and of course those that are old. Even those fellows who are perhaps put on a bit of weight like me and need to go and do the the um, you know the walking the footy walking like I've yeah. seen down here in Mandra. I might have to get out there and do it myself. I think. Or yeah. get back into entertainment. So you've got several things that you can hop into <laughs> if politics doesn't end up <laughs> going your way at some point. David, it's been absolutely fantastic having a chat with you. Love the banter. Appreciate your time today, and uh, in, have a nice, safe weekend. Yeah, will do. I'm looking forward. I'm going to the game tonight, so really looking forward to that. So uh, good one. Good on you, Dave and Penny, and you. You keep up the great work on the. On uh, your radio station, it's it's really good to join you today. Appreciate that, Dave. Yep. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye. All the best. Bye. That was the WA Sports Minister David Templeman joining us for the first time. I appreciate that, and uh, might need to connect the other Templeman side of the family. Yeah, so absolutely. Can, I don't know. I was trying to find Frank Snatch, so I did it my way. I'm not going to sing it because I'm a terrible singer, but um, yeah. I'm sure most of you know it. That look on YouTube, <laughs> he actually did a pretty good rendition yeah, of does, it. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go to a break and come back and have a chat with Simon Hill. This is Penn and Dave on the World Football Program. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Back for a little bit more. And Top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tine is a fourth generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tine. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. It's not who we're playing against, it's the points. These guys are coming to our country to play for the most important points in the World Cup. This is it, we're at home. This is why we all play football. It definitely makes a difference when you see and you feel the passion from the fans and their noise and their support will carry us over the line. This is the world stage and whatever happens on here is down to you. Welcome back to the World Football Program. That was Timmy Cahill, a little bit of nostalgia there. I like to play the old promos. There's not so many great ones for radio that I can put onto our station and play. Good afternoon, Simon. How are you? Very good, guys. How are you? Well, I'm personally looking forward to the game tonight. What about you, Dave? How are you Well, doing? I'm not going to the game tonight. Right? <laughs> Frail engagement. Um, grandson's 21st-ish sort of uh, function, wow. so... Uh, yeah. He's clearly not a Manchester United fan then, because he would have planned his he would have planned his party on another oh, night. Yeah, he well, he's a Chelsea fan. That's a disaster. <laughs> there you go. No, uh, Simon, it's a sellout over here, which you obviously would know, and uh, you know it's the game that I'm looking forward to. And yeah, we've kind of getting excited with lots of things happening. But I have to say, uh, I'm looking out the studio window, and the weather's crap. 
is just absolute crap at this moment. Yep. But apparently it's not stopping the Manchester United supporters club doing their thing in their march to the stadium a bit uh, later this afternoon on the way to the game. Yep. I'm sure they'll probably need the rain after whatever it is that they'll be getting up to beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> How are we going with the Festival of Football, Simon? Are we are we achieving what we wanted to achieve? Uh, well, I don't know what it is we want to achieve, to be honest, apart from make a bit of cash and uh, obviously showcase the fact that we've got some Premier League teams over here, which is great. Um, you know, personally, I'd, I'd like to see that translated to the local game a lot more. I, I'm not 100% convinced that these games leave any sort of legacy for the local sports uh, I hope I'm wrong um, and I know that the APL have uh, said that things are a little bit different the time around that uh, you know they've got access to the database for the people who are buying tickets and maybe they can target them for A-League memberships or at least you know to get to get them to attend A-League games in the future which uh, if that's true then brilliant um, but uh, yeah look at they're interesting, these games. Uh, you know, I know people obviously have overseas clubs. I mean, I do as well. But, uh, you know, whether they actually help the local game in the long term, I don't know, to be honest. That's been a running theme for yourself over the past few years that we've talked to you when big teams have come here. Um, are they taking out or giving back? Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Do you have an answer for that? Can you ever get an answer? I mean, it's a big machine when these international teams or professional teams, they come here and they already have a, a brand and global awareness and we know that those people are going to go and support them as the other people that well, look, don't it, normally. It, yeah, look, it's it's not their... Look, it's not the, the responsibility of Manchester United or Aston Villa or, or Leeds or Crystal Palace to to come over here and promote the local competition. That, that's not why they're here. No. As you say, they're established brands. You know, they're here to make a bit of money. They're here to play in front of their fans uh, in different parts of the world and, and spread their gospel, if you like. But, of course, you know, these games are taking place on our soil here in Australia. They have to be sanctioned by our governing body. And what I would like to see, and I, I think is, is certainly going to happen in future, you know, we, we saw the, uh, the infamous photo of, of uh, Marcus Rashford pictured with a, uh, an AFL ball uh, a few days ago, which has caused a lot of consternation, and you know the FA have already come out and said, "Look, we're going to try and ensure that doesn't happen in future." And I think that's right. I, I, you know, the football tours—they don't—they're under no obligation to promote, for example, Melbourne Victory or Perth Glory, but they should—they certainly shouldn't be promoting other codes. Um, you know, that, that's the responsibility of our governing body to ensure that that doesn't happen. Uh, they're here to play our sport, and it's our sport that should benefit from those tours, if anyone. Uh, and that's that's what I'd like to see, really, going forward. And, and as I said earlier, you know, some, some benefit in terms of uh, some marketing by the A-League clubs to say, hey, you know, we know that you're a fan of Manchester United, and that's fine. Why, why, not, come and, uh, why not come and watch Perth Glory next season? Give it a go. Um, because obviously we, you know, we, we're, we're struggling for fans at the moment to, to attend our local competition, and uh, that has to be the priority. We, we can't constantly cast our gaze to Europe. As much as we love the Premier League and we have overseas teams, we've got to get things right here. Well, Brisbane Raw and Melbourne Victory were part of that festival of football, which would have been great for brand awareness for them. Uh, I'm I'm feeling aggrieved that Perth Glory didn't get a shot, but what's your thoughts on that? 
Well, they should have. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it's... I mean, to me, it's not rocket science. If you're playing in Perth, why are Perth Glory not playing? Exactly. Mm. Um, now... You know, maybe they they didn't want to be part of it, or they weren't ready, or they weren't asked. I, I don't know what the answer is, but you know, the fact is, today we're going to have sixty odd thousand people, uh, you know, at Optus Stadium, full house, watching two teams from the other side of the earth, and it's great that they're watching football. Don't get me wrong; I'm not I'm not being churlish in that regard. Um, but the local team is not involved now. Can you imagine that happening anywhere else, really, in the world on a regular basis? Um, it, it doesn't doesn't happen too often, uh, and it shouldn't do in a developing market, in my opinion. But uh, certainly not. Anyway, mm. I, I understand that they have to make money, and uh, you know the game has to wash its face. So there are commercial imperatives as well. Um, I'm not I'm not saying I don't like these games, but uh, I think more needs to be done for the local product. I think that's probably the biggest reason the commercial imperatives. If Manchester United was playing Perth Glory, what would have been the ticket sales then? I well, have... I, to be honest, I think they would, they would still sell out. I reckon too. Quite frankly, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Crystal Palace and Leeds less so, but they, you know they didn't sell out yesterday. They got thirty four thousand. Um, so, you know, why not have Perth Glory involved? If, if Brisbane and Melbourne Victory are involved in the other fixtures, it's. Uh, it would appear a no-brainer to me, but I don't know how these games are arranged. You know, I, I, I sort of get the impression that it's state governments who who take the lead on this because there's money to be made for them in terms of, you know, hotel beds, ticket sales, et cetera, et cetera, food and beverages. Uh, maybe they don't think Perth Glory is, you know, a driver of commercial outcomes for them, which, if that's the case, I think is very, very disappointing, to be honest. Yeah, just watching the matches where our local clubs did play, like Melbourne Victory and Brisbane Roar against um, Man U and Aston Villa, uh, the, the game was... Uh, there was enough quality in the local team playing against the professional EPL team to engage. I, I watched both of those games all the way through. Uh, so I was impressed, it, and it was good, and that's what we want. And I feel if Perth Glory had been playing, I would have watched the game... And that would have been an awareness. There would have been someone else in the household. There would have been someone else going to the game with me. And that's the brand awareness I would have loved to have seen for yeah. Perth Glory after yeah. an awful season last year. Mm. Well, I, you know, I don't know why we are surprised by the fact that our teams are competitive. I mean, they're, you know, they're not of the standard of the Premier League. Let's not, you know, let's not try and kid ourselves here. But, you know, our product, our local league is good. Um, but it has next to no respect in this country from most people. Uh, that's the tragedy, really. Uh, it is derided, um, ignored, marginalised, uh, used as, you know, the favourite uh, whipping boy, really, of, of all the sports in Australia. I'm, I'm absolutely at a loss as to understand why. Uh, and we've got to start protecting it and promoting it and, you know, trying to get it back to, to some sort of help and... Uh, as I say, I would have thought that having Perth Glory, your local football club, involved <laughs> against the uh, you know behemoths of, of overseas football when yeah. they come to your city would be an absolute no-brainer. But uh, yeah, what do I know? I, I don't make those decisions. But uh, if I did, Glory would be involved. Let me tell you that. Maybe we should have asked David Templeman. We had David Templeman, this WA sports minister, on. I'd, uh... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Didn't ask him. Well, that. they're the people who make the decisions. 
Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So looking forward to the next A-League season that's coming up. We've got Nanny... Na, is it Nanny? Nani? Nani. Nani. Nani, s- yeah. Signed up for Melbourne Victory, um, showed his face during the Festival of Football, uh, let fans know that he was going to be landing into the season, which I think is great. Um, what else have we got to look forward to? Uh, last year was... I just think of the fixturing re-changes for last year was just absolutely awful. Uh, are we going to have a, a much better run of things in the next coming season, Simon? Well, COVID notwithstanding, I mean, that was the thing that really stuffed up the season, yep. uh, was the Omicron outbreak that you know, pretty much paralysed the league. Uh, and obviously, you know, for you here in, in WA, uh, that shut the entire state down for months on end. So, you know, it's little wonder that Perth had a poor season. I mean, there were other factors as well, let's be honest. But, uh, uh, you know, that, that was a contributory factor to their poor season and the fact that fans lost the narrative. They lost the thread of where the season was because they couldn't go and watch their team on a regular basis or, in the case of a lot of clubs on the eastern seaboard, Games were postponed, rearranged, rescheduled at the last minute, sometimes for odd times, five o'clock kickoffs on weekdays, uh, stadiums that weren't necessarily, you know, those clubs' homes. Wellington Phoenix played uh, outside of New Zealand again for another season. Uh, Sydney FC displaced from the Sydney Football Stadium. That'll, that'll be different this season. Brisbane Raw playing almost an hour outside Brisbane. Uh, Western United still wandering around the country like nomads looking for a stadium. Uh, MacArthur having problems with their pitch, so having to play in you know places like Penrith and Mudgee. It, I mean, it was it was literally all over the place. Mm. Um, you know, we we had at one point over half the league basically displaced from their you know essential fan, fan base, their roots, where they're supposed to play. Uh, so that will hopefully change this season. Um, but there's a lot of work to do. Uh, it's not just about that. You know, the, the league has, has fallen away in terms of the public consciousness over the last uh, three or four years. There is no doubt about that. And we've got to try and arrest that flight and get it moving the other way. Now, that's not going to happen overnight, I don't think. But uh, certainly this season with a proper structured fixture list, that should help. Uh, one or two clubs moving back to their traditional homes. You know, Sydney FC back at the Sydney Football Stadium. Brisbane Raw will be back at Suncorp, albeit only for a handful of games. Uh, because guess what? There are concerts throughout the summer at Suncorp. I mean, you can't make this up. It's you know, until our until our clubs essentially get their own stadiums, their own homes, and start putting down real bricks and mortar, this is always going to be a problem. Um, but you know, it's. Uh, it's an ongoing process, isn't it? But hopefully next season, you know, will be better. Uh, I, I trust it will be. And Marquis can help that. You know, Nani is a good start. Charlie Austin up in Brisbane. Hopefully there'll be one or two more. They're not the panacea, but uh, they help in the short term. Do you think so, that we've... Um, baby steps, dam- I think, next season. Do you think we've damaged a little bit of something with the season we had last year in our ability to attract the Marquis to this season? Well, not really. Uh, I, I think if, you know, Australia's still a, an attractive destination uh, in terms of a place to live. If the money's right, uh, then normally the players will come if they're at that stage of their career and they're looking for something a bit different. Um, obviously, it depends on a, you know, a couple of other factors. I know that the high tax rate in Australia is sometimes prohibitive for, for marquees. 
sometimes players' families don't want to move this far. You know, let's be honest, we're geographically very isolated um, and footballers don't necessarily want to be that far away from Europe or, or South America. So uh, it's a whole load of factors. But uh, no, I, I, I think by and large, you know, if, if the package is right, then you can get the right players. What about the Socceroos? What's coming up there? What have we got to look forward to? Uh, well, the World Cup, obviously, <laughs> in, uh, in November. Um, I think they've got a couple of friendlies in, in September leading into that. But, uh, yeah, World Cup uh, in November, December in Qatar. Uh, we probably won't go into why it's there, but uh, they got France first, then Tunisia, and then Denmark. So, tough group, but uh, you never know. Maybe if they could uh, if they could beat Tunisia, who are certainly beatable, and you know, jag a point against the Danes, they, they might get through to the round of 16. Who knows? It's uh, three months or so-ish to the World Cup. I feel it's very quiet. Very, very quiet. It's, in, uh, in what sense? Well, just uh, I would expect fanfare. Just, uh, I mean, I, I know that you said that we've copped a hit to the image of football, uh, or that's just generally you know, work we've got to do here in Australia to get our brand up there in the public eye. But I just feel it's quiet. Like, the World Cup's not hitting me in the face that it's going to be happening this year. Um, yeah. Here, here well, in I mean, Perth, oh, that's, that's what I feel anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest, you know, it's a, that's a football problem. It's not a World Cup problem. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the same all over the country. Uh, so I, don't, I think, you know, Australia can be almost discounted in that regard because we just struggle for football publicity full stop. Um, but I think, you know, once the World Cup gets a bit closer and certainly in parts of Europe, you know, they'll they'll be having very detailed discussions about who should be on the plane and, uh, you know, analysing their country's opposition and uh, doing features on Qatar and whether the country should be hosting the World Cup and how many hotel beds there are and what fans are going to do. You know, football countries have all those sorts of conversations. Uh, unfortunately, we are not a mature football country as yet, which is why it's quiet here. Mm. Yeah. Are you commentating the game tonight, Simon? I am, yes. Very good. You'll be able to have a break after tonight. Recoup a little bit I of am. sleep. <laughs> I'm uh, going, up, going up to the UK tomorrow, so looking forward to it. Excellent. All right, are you going to be there for the start of the season? That long, a break? I am indeed. Wonderful. It's good to hear Teo Palazzeri commentating some games. He um, started as a a young lad in the Victorian uh, Football League and um, we had him on the show quite a few years back and it's good to see him now doing some good stints up in some pretty high-end games. Yeah, he's a good lad, Teo. Good lad. Yeah, he is. Simon, really appreciate your time today. Um, Keep up the great work. Love hearing your voice out there and uh, appreciate you joining us on the show. Thank you. No problems. Thanks, guys. Get on you, Simon. See ya. See ya. Bye. Simon Hill sounds very tired. He's probably had a very long festival of football. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. He seems to have (laughs) lost his enthusiasm a little bit, but maybe he is tired. I don't know. I I think he is probably just uh, tired. Yeah, it's uh, you saying about the legacy thing. Legacy to me is a very big thing, and I guess we've been here in this studio for decades. Mm. So we've talked to people in all areas of football, and we've talked to Simon. He was with SBS, with Fox, now with Paramount. So twenty or thirty years he's been coming on this show. 
and um, legacy has always been a big thing for him. If and he's a Man, Man City supporter, he's always gone back for that holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Good on him. Yep. But um, he can see the effect of uh, what we do and don't do here in Australia, and it's uh, I like the way it impacts on him, and he has that passion about. Well, what can we do about it? Yeah. What can we change? He's uh, works in. Um, with SBS and not exactly you know, high-end professional commercial kind of football operations and then he's moved to Fox and Paramount, which is the commercial yeah. side of things. Yeah. So he's still got that same passion and, and you know, questioning about why we are or why are we not where we should be. Yeah. And we talked about this earlier. Yeah. Are we, are we going to have the same conversation in 10 years, Dave? Mm-hmm. Let's hope not. Oh, I hope not. Far out, man. Um, we're, we're getting every opportunity. You know, here's a, the Women's World Cup, the the World Cup in Qatar. We should be jumping on and getting getting with it. You know. Yeah, I, I'd like to know how other sports are impacted in high like rugby, uh, AFL. They're just absolute machines. Are they impacted, or you know, what are the variables? That affect them going through COVID? Are they the same variables that have affected us or have they got other underpinning resources that they can draw from? From I mean, AFL just is an absolute machine in the public eye. It's incredible. Whether they're doing well or not, it always looks like they've got a space in a newspaper or on TV to promote their code. Absolutely. And uh, they throw a lot of money. <sighs> a lot of money. And the money is coming from the top down, where yeah. we are trying to push it from the bottom up. Uh, yeah, and it goes outward. So we have teams that haven't so much in the last couple of years tour outside of Australia, but mm. now they're starting to again. All the borders have opened, and flights are out, and so forth. So yeah. all those teams can be touring everywhere again. The friendlies, international fixtures, local state teams up to Asia, and all those kind of things. So money comes in, and it goes out yeah. constantly. Yeah. So we have to keep creating a, f- a funds base. Yeah. And the Festival of Football, I just wonder how much Australia, or particularly Western Australia, make out of it. Make out of it. Because I'm led to believe that the clubs that come across make a lot of money. I reckon they would, and like Simon says, why would they not? I mean, they wouldn't come here to not break even or not make money. Um, Yes, it's about brand awareness, but they're a machine. They have an entourage of probably... You know, 150 people looking after them. There's a lot of people that have got to be filled into a hotel and have accommodation and yeah. sightsee and, you know, just, wow. I, yeah, but when I said, uh, what does is, what is West Australian football actually make out of it? I don't know. If you know the answer, get onto our World Football Facebook page and put the answer there for Dave and I. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good idea. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, this has been the World Football Program, a very casual, relaxed kind of program. Um, we appreciate you listening in. Do become a member if you have something to say or you want to come to our AGM or you want to come to the Christmas dinner that enables you to come to the Christmas dinner if you become a member. Um, contact the station. Uh, RadioFremantle.com.au is the website. This has been Penn and Dave for the last couple of hours. We do appreciate you listening in. Thank you very much. Thank you to everyone that supports us and uh, enjoy the football tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Keep keep dry. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Keep dry has been really bad up to now. Len and Bags Groove is up next. See you later. Bye.
Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.